and welcome back. My name is Sue and welcome to another of our Lemma Sue Walk and Talk podcasts. As you know, this is the place where we chat with people about all things positive psychology, well-being, emotions and neuroscience and gives you the opportunity to eavesdrop on conversations about how we flourish even through adversity and challenge. So today I am joined by, I can't say frolly, that doesn't work this time, um, family, friend, uh, <laughs> fabulous Richard Digby. And um, I'll get Richard to introduce himself in a moment. Um, Richard is uh, a family member and has done all sorts of interesting things with his, his career, as we will find out very shortly, and hopefully we'll learn some tips on how to flourish from him. So Richard, welcome. Hi, Sue. How you doing? I'm good, good. It's lovely to have you on. Um, and my first question is, many people on the call may not have heard of you. Um, and uh, we have everybody from famous people to everyday people that we have the opportunity to chat with. Um, but you and I have known each other for probably about 27 years due to my um, infiltration into your family. <laughs> but um, how would you how would you identify yourself? Like, who do you identify as, as a person? I don't want to put you in a box of what do you do for a living? Um, yeah. But, you know, how do you identify yourself? That's a good question. Um, I'll probably throw out lots of answers, and then it will cover, cover all bases. So um, how do I identify myself? I guess I identify myself as a, a family man. So I, I'm married with two children. So that's, that's part, of, part of my life, certainly a big part of it. Um, I also identify myself as a, I guess, a, um, yeah, so, someone as a, a kind of strong on the career side as well. So it's always something I want to kind of get, see, see what, what I can do with my life in terms of you know, the, the jobs and things I've done. So, uh, yeah, so I think that and, and then the kind of the other part of it, I guess, is the things I choose to do with my spare time, what I get hold of. So I kind of enjoy the outdoors. Um, kind of uh, an outdoor pursuits and things so I, I guess there's a bit of a mix mixed bag of things there yeah thank you and it's one of the things I always tend to ask now because it's always way more than what we do it's usually we identify as a whether it's a father a mother a sibling a, a parent whatever it happens to be we always have lots of different um, identities if you like um so thinking about your sort of life I think you've led a quite an interesting life um uh, but that's just me because I've been around mm. it for a while um and if we focus on your professional life for a moment your professional yeah. life has taken you into quite a a senior level career and you've done some amazing things in the motor industry mm. well I think you have again as well <laughs> you might not think so um but tell us about your career how did you even get started uh, or where are you now just tell us your your job yeah. title if you like yeah. but how did okay. you get on that trajectory okay so yeah and for job title I'm a, a transformation director at Jaguar Land Rover so obviously it's a big car company based here in the UK um but in terms of how I got here I guess well from a from a much younger age, I was always interested in cars. Um, my cousin Bruce was mad keen on them, and I kind of got mad keen partly as a result of him, really. Um, so I always bore family members on on car, long car journeys of spotting cars and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I guess that that always remained of an interest to me. Um, and my family were quite sort of sciencey based. I think both my brothers went into sciences. My mum was a chemist. Um, so we ended up kind of, I ended up sort of gravitating that route really. So I did maths and sciences for sort of through school and A-level and I went off to do a degree in mechanical engineering 
at Durham University, um, which was a fabulous experience. I met my wife there as well, so that's another another good reason for being there. <laughs> um, and then from graduation, I um, I joined Jaguar Cars as it was then. We were two separate companies back then when I joined. Um, and I've been there ever since, which is it feels very one track career. But while I've been there, I've done quite a number of different sort of roles through my time. So I'll come to the roles that you've done in a moment and the experience you've had. I just want to go back. You made an interesting comment there and you said your mum was a chemist and then all three of you, as in brothers, have sort of into the science. Was it unusual for your mum to be a chemist in that era? Yeah, it definitely was. Well, I think it's the era when, you know, it's quite unusual in a way for mothers to have a career full stop, let alone being one of the perhaps more scientific career. And she was certainly, you know, one of a one of a few basically in the in the company she worked in. So and she's actually a, a brewing chemist as well. So that's even better because she got to work in a brewery. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she always had a, an interest in the sciences and, and in nature and things generally. So yeah, I think she was a bit more of a, a trailblazer in her time. And she was never her her parents never actually supported her to go away to in fact she had to fight to get into a into the grammar school because her dad wasn't very keen on it all um and and then she actually you know, she certainly would have been capable you know to go to university and get a higher further education but that kind of really definitely wasn't the fun thing at the time so i think she kind of did brilliantly in you know, all the different things she did when she was when she was working when she was younger yeah, amazing. So obviously, then your career sort of took you um, into that engineering, and you've you've literally been responsible for bringing certain cars to the fore, and you've had mm. the opportunity to travel around the world as part of this. Yeah. What, what have been some of the key highlights in what you've done career-wise? Yeah, so I've done some really cool stuff. I think it's. Um, I was always when I joined, I, I decided I didn't want to be the sort of engineer who just sits behind a computer screen all day. That was going to look quite dull. So I wanted to get more into the development sort of side where it's a lot more hands on. Um, and it, within the first year or so of me joining, actually, I was I was organizing sort of test trips to test the particular suspension system that we we're working on in both extreme heat and extreme cold. So that was part of it and also extreme altitude. So um we i did a number of trip trips um the summer ones we'd, we'd fly a car out to death valley in california and drive through the desert and sit there at literally 52 degrees heat um testing the car uh and from there we then we drove up to colorado and we were testing up on mount evans and pike peaks to test the altitude car at great altitude as well and then back around through new mexico and back again so it's like this awesome road trip um across the usa on with complete prototype cars trying to keep what them warm <laughs> without people seeing them and everything so yeah that was great fun it's just like a big paid for work um road trip which is fantastic <laughs> um and then also we had to test the car in extreme cold as well so we were then in the winter um fly the car to a little place called timmins in canada famous for the shania twain museum if anyone wants to look it up um <laughs> so that's where she came from and there wasn't much else there apart from lots of cold weather and snow and shania twain so We'd fly a car up there and yeah, we would test out in the snow and 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 do that sort of thing as well. So yeah, that was great fun. So certainly enjoyed that sort of type trip when I was sort of early days of my career. Yeah. It's amazing that you it always gives you an opportunity when you travel to open your eyes to other things mm. and experience more. Um yeah, absolutely. any other particular highlights you've had? Because obviously I, I got to drive in one of the cars when it was oh yeah that's right yeah that's right I think we had to go in an f-type didn't we that that was another highlight as well actually I worked on the f-type which is our sports car program for five years or so so that was great fun we kind of worked on the program right from the early kind of concept phase right through 
to actually I got to go out on the press launch in Spain, which was brilliant fun. So um, kind of we were taking journalists around the track and through all the kind of amazing roads through Spain. So that was that was great fun. Um, and then a year later, I went on the coupe launch at the um, Formula One circuit at Barcelona. So when all the journalists had gone home at the end of the day, we were able to just take a car, grab a helmet and go herring off around the track. So that's, <laughs> that was another another great way to spend spend time at work. So, yeah, that was that was fantastic and um, really enjoyed all that and got to see lots of great places. And you get to work as a really strong team when you're on those sort of trips as well, because there's just a small group of you quite far away from the main base. So you've got to really rely on each other a lot. And um, yeah, I had a lot of good fun doing that. I guess in in more recent times, I've got sadly more office based. Uh, it tends to happen as you move up the company a bit more. But um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of interesting stuff, and because I've been at the company so long now, you get to know people there. I know as great friends that I've known for years and years, really. So they're kind of as much friends as they are colleagues, really. So yeah, it's a really really strong bunch that I work with, which is great. Yeah, awesome. It sounds like though it's a bit of a childhood dream getting to bomb around in a car and helmet around Barcelona. That's pretty cool. Yes, that's definitely <laughs> that good fun. Certainly. How do you feel your career, your professional accomplishments, if you like, have contributed to your overall well-being? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like most people, it's something you become so much more aware of. Certainly, you know, organisations like yourselves doing a brilliant job at promoting it all. Um, and you'll be pleased to hear I'm actually a well-being champion for my business function at work, actually. So that's what I do is I, I run a sort of well-being team where we're looking to promote well-being practices across the organization um and you know there's been a real big focus on that as well as an organization with our our, our latest ceo who's sadly just leaving us now unfortunately who's only been with us a couple of years has been utterly brilliant on almost completely leveling the organization and getting much back much stronger in terms of linking back to the people and what the people need etc so he's put a huge amount in place which has been brilliant mm. um so i think um in early days, how did it help with well-being? Well, I, I guess I was doing something I really enjoyed doing. So irrespective of the, perhaps the professional environment might have been a bit harder and tougher then, but I was still doing a role I really loved. So that was great. And then in more recent times, yeah, there's been a much stronger recognition within the company of kind of getting more in touch with people's mm. own situation, how they're feeling, how they're behaving, the fact that, you know, who knows what's going on in their own world when they come in in the morning, you know, so... Um, the companies and, and like most big organisations are getting much more in tune to it now. So that's that's really kind of made it much 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 stronger and, and something you can you can open up a lot more easily about and have you know good conversations within the work environment, which is great. Yeah, and so and, and I agree, Richard. And it's interesting because I think more organisations are taking it seriously now, mm. um, well-being seriously. How have you seen COVID really sort of? Has it been COVID that shifted it, or was it just happening naturally? How have you seen that impact? I over think the last um, I think COVID certainly gave it a big jolt, didn't it? It was, um, you know, I was working like most people. It's a bit weird, really. We were having huge amounts of vehicle launches going on at the time, and it's incredible that we. We, update, we did major updates to every single one of our cars, largely people working out of their bedrooms, et cetera. You know, we obviously had people in the plants and running the prototype facilities that had to be there building the vehicles and you know, doing some of the test work, et cetera. But pretty much everyone else was working at home. So it was incredible that we, we managed to do it. Um, but that gave everyone a real jolt that actually said, no, you don't have to be in the office every single day to be getting on and doing productive work. And that's opened up a huge amount with people being much more able to be more flexible with their work. I mean, I certainly, I do my, at least my, more than my fair share of picking up and dropping off from school and things. And it, it used to, I used to find it quite stressful when 
you know, I was the, I was the sort of leader of the of the whole team, and I'd be the probably last in and first out every day quite often. Um, and I would rely on kind of working in the evenings every night and things to catch up, which I still do. But it, it, it's much more normal and natural to do that now, whereas before it was perhaps seen, oh, well, you know, what's he doing leaving the office now, sort of thing. So, um, so that's 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 given it a, a big jolt in the in the right direction. I think that really yeah. helped us. And you're obviously a senior leader in a large organisation. How would you like to see organisations, whether it's yours or organisations in general, um, progress as far as looking after the well-being and engagement of their employees, if you like? What would you like to see from a future perspective? Yeah, I think um, you almost can't do enough, really, I think. And I, I think I think the pennies really dropping now with the, even the real diehards that kind of convinced they have to see everyone in the office all day and you know what are you doing going off for lunch or something you know that they're you know they're almost completely vanished now so that's you know that's that's you know obviously clearly much more where it should be um and i think of things that could be done i mean we're already doing a huge amount of work with you know well-being clinics inside work um that people can just drop into whether that's sort of physical well-being is also well, mental well-being as well. So um, there's huge amounts that can be done. I think um, the hard bit becomes that when the pressure goes on in terms of having challenging times and delivery of projects and programmes and things, it gets very stressful. Um, and and it's, it's reminding everybody to stay true to what we're saying about well-being, et cetera, when the times are tough and difficult as well as when they're perhaps a little bit easier. Because yeah. um, it can be quite easy for people to revert to type under stress and, and, and perhaps get a bit short with people and start questioning why they're disappearing away to do things, you know, leaving earlier or something. And so I, you see a bit of those behaviours creeping back in. So I think I think a lot of the framework, the structures there and, and a lot of the facilities and things are in place. It's more about just reminding everyone that this is a, you know, this can be, uh, this, the, this way of working can be there all the time and it will benefit all of us all the time. So it's something we just have to keep, whether it's a tough time you're going through or a you know, slightly easier times, just to keep hold of that, that way of working. Yeah, and I think to your point, we all need reminding, because I know even myself, um, you know, I teach this stuff all the time, but still when I travel and things are getting busy and I'm getting up at 4.30 for a six o'clock flight yeah. or whatever you, um, it's gets harder to do the things that I know are good for my well-being, like the sleep yeah. and exercise, basic stuff, etc. Um, yeah. So to your point, when the pressure gets on, it's easy for some of those things to fall over. So mm. yeah. That's right. I think it's a similar thing. I mean, I tend to, you know, after picking children up and sorting them out in the evenings and then getting them finally off to bed. And because they're getting older, they go to bed later and later. So your time, my catch-up time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Or I get to just have to stay up later. And then of course the next morning you're tired again. So that that balance of What's the right thing to do for me now? Is it to catch back on this thing that I know needs doing? Or is it frankly time to just get to bed yeah. and be fresh the next day and get through the next day a bit better? And so that's always a, a bit of a constant decision of what the right thing to do is. So, um, yeah. yeah, not always easy to decide. But you mentioned just now, obviously, from the Wellbeing Clinics, there's physical element. And you mentioned earlier that um, the physical element is good for you, as in you get mm. like to get out in nature. So what do you do for your well-being from a physical perspective? Yeah, well, like not enough, I guess is the first thing. Um, I go out for a run every now and then, at least try and go out once a week. I, d I don't actually like running at all, to be honest, but um, I know that I can get my shoes on and be out the door. And I'm, I'm lucky because I live in a sort of nice village and near the countryside. So I can fairly quickly come straight out of the door into some nice trails and things. So um, I, I do that and get around and I feel better for having felt exhausted and tired and hot and all the rest of it. So it's definitely something that, 
<clears throat> my well-being benefits after I've finished, I think, more than on the way round. Um, but I really love I really love mountain biking. Um, and whilst I live in the Midlands in the UK, which isn't a particularly great place to go mountain biking, there are a few places locally, and and we've been going over to Wales quite a bit more often. There's some just epic trails over there. So I treated myself to a new bike last last spring. Um, so yeah, that's that's to me total well-being is to be able to go herring off down some difficult trail, you know, very quickly. And you have to be completely focused on that and nothing else. So anything else just goes completely out of your head. So I absolutely love doing that. Um, so yeah, that's something I probably can't do enough really, but that, that would be my number one thing to do for well-being if, if you know, time permits. Yeah, it was interesting. Both of those things that you said, there were some interesting things that we often don't understand or uh, don't appreciate sometimes with well-being. As you said, with running, you feel better afterwards. And it's often the case is we know that exercise makes us feel better afterwards. We don't feel like doing it. And yet still doing it makes us feel better. So how do yeah. we get ourselves out the door? And it's That's also right. interesting because you go, you said you go out into the countryside and there's lots of research that supports actually being out in nature is better mm. than running on a treadmill mill or cycling yeah. in a room on a, on a sort of stationary bike um, because your brain has to look at all sorts of different terrain it has difficulty predicting because things go up and down you've got to run over yeah. twigs and logs and all these sorts of right. things you're running so um, yeah. it seems like you're doing good things for your well-being yeah exactly and then then another thing which is slightly different I guess is that I think I bring together my my technical and engineering brain with the well-being part of the brain and that I, I like fixing stuff as well and it it can be it can be the most mundane thing that my daughter's broken or something. It's always our oh, dad'll fix it. So <laughs> and I, I kind of I kind of really enjoy doing it somehow. Something that's gone a bit wrong. And and you kind of think, well, I'm I'm enjoying making something better. I'm really enjoying the fact that this thing isn't going to go in the bin. We can kind of carry on using it and it's repurposed effectively. So yeah, so I found that actually you kind of think, why do I kind of I find this enjoyable to doing this fixing stuff. Yeah. Uh, whether it's some sort of DIY or just something that's gone wrong that needs sorting out. So, yeah, I find that satisfying in both ways, actually. So, and it's it's normally something you can get away with doing as well, rather than kind of clearing off for hours on end on a bike or something. Going <laughs> potting around trips and stuff is is more permissible um, in terms of where I'm spending my time. So, um, yeah, no, that's something else I do that I, I, I kind of get satisfaction from too. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's going to probably place to your strengths, I would imagine, of uh, fixing mm. things, of making things. Yeah. All yeah things. true yeah um and so we often talk about from a well-being perspective there's the subjective well-being the things that we do day to day that make us happy if you like um and then there's more the psychological well-being what brings you the psychological well-being the sense of meaning purpose uh the the deeper sense of well-being if you like um this is getting quite deep now isn't it i i um well i think um I think some of the stuff I do with work leading this well-being team is great where I, I can see the initiatives and things we're doing. Actually, you really start to see the benefits and the wider team around us. So that that definitely gives a deeper sense of purpose because not only is it something I'm doing that, you know, I'm getting the benefit from my own well-being, but also you can see it touching other people as well. And it's starting to spread because clearly, uh, you know, some of this stuff is actually just saying it's okay to do this during work time or, you know, or talk about this stuff, et cetera. And the more people almost realize they have that level of permission and the more they'll do it and more people see them doing it, more they'll kind of spread that going a bit further. So I think that that's probably the one of the, the deeper part where I can see it spreading to more people around the organization, particularly. So that's, that's probably, yeah, I think that's what I would say there. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you say that we've got a client that we, they have 280 wellbeing ambassadors around the world and uh, and every year they culminate all coming together to do a triathlon. Um, obviously during COVID they were all doing it separately yeah. but they came together this year in Lanzarote to do a triathlon and some of them have never done one before <laughs> from when they come become oh. a wellbeing ambassador. But throughout the year they have um, mental and emotional wellbeing sessions with us 10 across the year and and then they have regular training sessions and learning around the physical aspect and how to run how to swim etc and then they all go off and sort of practice and train for the year and then it comes together um and i just think that that's lovely of the whole organization really trying to support everybody not just the ambassadors doing it but then yeah. supporting other people across that's great and it does yeah. have a ripple effect to your point once one yeah. starts talking yeah it does and we did a um a similar physical type idea because we try and rotate around a bit of sort of mind body and life sort of different you know areas and um we did a sort of distance challenge where we tried to, we said Let, let's travel from where we are in our place in the uk based in gaiden to, to the same distance to chang one of our plants in changshu in china um and and the idea was it didn't matter if you were running or cycling or walking the dog or whatever everything counts so we just set up a big sheet where people could log their distances and it got a real wave of momentum actually it's great because people really sought the idea and we had little bar chart things saying how far we are and how far it was to go etc and we had to get there in a certain time was the plan but people people got so caught up into it we actually made it all the way there and all the way back again which was brilliant so um yeah, really, really, really good. And we had hundreds of people on this sheet all trying to chip in their part and updating, et cetera. And we're fairly recently just finished the Round the World in 80 Days as well. We said, can we go around the world in 80 days? So we made it with, a, I think, just half a day to spare, I think. So that was a little bit tighter. But <laughs> yeah, these, these, things are, these things are good because it suddenly gives a bit of a sort of cause and it's only a bit you know, a silly thing in a way, but everyone sort of feels the need of doing it. And there yeah. are lots of people I spoke to saying, oh, that's great. You know, it's given me the extra spurt I needed to kind of go out and do that walk or like run or something. So there's all good. Yeah. Stuff. What I really love there, and again, we often talk about the, how it links to the theory is um, if you think about, well, you may not have come across self-determination theory, but it's about basic psychological needs. They talk about three basic psychological needs of um, competence, autonomy and relatedness. And what you've just described there hits all those buttons. So competence, as in it's me doing my skill, whatever it is, yeah. running, cycling, whatever. Um, so I am contributing my skills, my abilities. Two is autonomy. So they can do it how they like. There's flexibility of when they do it, etc. But then the relatedness, we're all in it together. And I really love yeah. that that little fun activity is bringing all those basic psychological yeah. needs together. So you get what you want. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so thinking about, um, as I say, everything that we talk is, uh, is about the science of uh, what we do. And obviously science is important to you in your, uh, your domain as well. Thinking about the challenges that I've, either you've faced or the things that are going on in the world, obviously I believe everybody has faced adversity at some point. What are the things yeah. that get you through? Um, you know, I always rely on the science, but what gets you through adversity? Um, I'm generally an optimistic soul. Um, so I always have a belief that it'll be okay one way or another. You know, I don't think I've had, you know, the misfortune of facing anything particularly significant in terms of adversity in my life. You know, Johnny, Johnny been well and healthy and things. So I, I know some people go through a much tougher times. Um, but, but I think, yeah, I'm generally optimistic that things will be okay. Um, there's also the time factor, you know, if you've got something really difficult and stressful coming up that you're worrying about or something, you think, well, whatever happens at some point, you'll be past it because, you know, the, 
the clocks the clock keeps spinning doesn't it so whether it's a big pressurized thing at work they're building up towards you thinking god this can be difficult except you know that you know by monday morning it will be over because we'll have finished it so there's, there's there's a time to think well whatever happens you'll be through it um but yeah i generally i'm generally pretty optimistic and positive about things so that that's probably my main crutch i think is that you know i, I kind of keep a keep a positive attitude on how things are going to turn out yeah, I love it. And again, you've just given a beautiful example of the science. Um, one of the key areas of optimism, learned optimism is P. The first P is permanence. How permanent mm. is it? And to your point, sometimes when we get caught up in adversity, yeah. we think, oh, my God, this is going to be forever. And yet very rarely is it. Um, yeah. We find, Even if it is something more chronic, we find a way to deal with it. Um, we yeah. find ways of handling things and, and life changes. So, yeah, I like that. I like that philosophy. What have been some inspirational moments for you or things that have caused sort of turning points or helped you become the person that you've been, that you've become? Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, Either people or things you've read, things you've done, what's inspired you? I think um, like me and my brothers would both say my mum inspired me lots, um, whether that's a, a kind of, her encouragement to just get on and do whatever you want to do basically there was certainly no holds bound near holds barred in terms of what we were wanted to go and do with our lives there wasn't a right or wrong answer certainly so she inspired me and by both my brothers to get out and do what we wanted to do i i um didn't quite fly myself to the other extremes of the planet like my two brothers have one went going to antarctica and one disappearing off to new zealand um from where we live but um it's a bit more modest where i've gone to but, but I think that spirit of getting on and doing what you want to do has been a real inspiration, I think. And, you know, obviously she passed away a number of years ago now, but that whole sense still that even at the end was very much around, it is what it is, it's all fine, no one go moping about, you know, real kind of sense of purpose, I think. So that's that's certainly something that I've definitely got from my mother. And, and then, um, you know, my, my dad as well, you know, always worked hard, just stuck out things so straight to work you know left school on friday went to school went to work first thing on monday worked pretty much continuously with barely any days off to be retired at 65 so um i think that sense there of purpose and a chunk of hard work that goes with it the things that have probably kind of been the main sort of backbone of how how it's turned out i guess mm. and it's really interesting you say that because thinking about that hard work seeing that hard work I've seen you and your brothers all work hard at what they do um, and put the effort in and I guess that comes from that sort of upbringing um, and I have to say your mum hugely inspires me as well still so um, yeah nice I think she was pretty special yeah. <laughs> so my last question is do you have any particular uh, podcasts or books or things you can recommend to us that you've been investigating, particularly in your role as a sort of in the well-being space? Um, but is mm. there anything else that's sort of inspired you or you currently listen to uh, or read in that space? Um, I've not been I've not been one for um, I haven't been kind of reading a great deal like that. I, I like to read for leisure where I can, but more often than not, I just turn the lights off because I'm shattered and don't read very much <laughs> at all. So I'd like to something I'd like to make more time for. Um, I guess more recently, um, the role I'm doing now at the moment is is actually about a kind of big business transformation where we're moving to agile ways of working, which some of you, your, your listeners may have heard of. But um, it's really interesting because it's, and I've obviously learned, had to learn lots about it because it's a bit of a crash course in getting going because we've now thrown 
seven and a half thousand people into that way of working in just 18 months so it's been very intense to say the least to <laughs> kind of leave that change and, and get everyone working in that way and you know reinforcing the belief that this is great it's difficult right now but it will be great and some of that that mindset which is very much around breaking big chunky tasks into small chunks and dealing with them one at a time you get the benefit of you know the sense of purpose that you've achieved something yes it might only be small but you've ticked it off it's done it's behind you now what's next etc so some of that is it's not a particular book or a course or anything but it's a way of working that you know i um i i really it kind of really appeals appeals to me it's very much around also about you know empowering the the, the kind of lower levels the organization and the teams to get on and give them what they need to do and get them feeling accountable, responsible. So, and we've really seen people thrive through that, which has been brilliant actually, but there's, there's no kind of complete black magic to it at all. Really. You kind of stand back from it. It's all blindingly obvious, but um, <laughs> this stuff that when you get on and structure it and do it, you, you get a real sense of a buzz from it and purpose. So that's, that's something I think I'd, I'd point to in more recent, more recent times yeah yeah I love that and I'm going to pick up on what you said there of blindingly obvious and uh, to your point much of what we mm. talk about from a well-being perspective is blindingly obvious it's blindingly obvious that you're not going to have high levels of well-being unless you put the effort in and to your point it's not the big thing um, and I tell people this all the time it's not the bolt of lightning that suddenly makes your life meaningful it's the little tiny things you do every day um, same as, you know, you want a six pack or big muscles. If you go to the gym once, it doesn't work. If you go many times, then it might. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's the same with everything we do. If we break it down into little chunks, it's much uh, more reasonable to expect that we'll get an increase in performance, whether it's us as individuals or us as an organization. Yeah, exactly. And you, know, you definitely get that, that bounce. We, we were doing something a, a little while ago, this sort of thing where we were grinding through big long lists of things to do and it was you know it's such a slog I remember sitting through these meetings I feel like they go on forever and <laughs> you know you'd be thinking you know you've gone for two hours and you're only a quarter of the way down the list and and then we changed that into a much more agile approach of saying we're just going to pick on the top five you know and it was it's pretty brutal getting to we're only going to do five now yeah. and everyone's worrying about all these other ones you're leaving off and the fact was you weren't really getting to it anyway but just getting through that and getting the five done, everyone, you could just see the big lift of, wow, we did it. Brilliant. What's next? You know, and you just got a real sense of motivation from it. So, but it's difficult to do. And you, you have to, you have to be quite relentless on organizing yourself and really tough on prioritizing things particularly. And I find myself feeling guilty of trying to then still go back to trying to cover too much again. So it's something you definitely have to keep, keep trying out and keep practicing. It doesn't, doesn't, yeah. doesn't come easily. Well, I think we all want to get stuff done. We've all got dreams, yeah. goals, whether it's work or personal, and you can't get more time. You know, people say, you know, if only you had more time. Well, you don't. Time yeah. is, it is what it is. It's a concept of what, what yeah. we've created with this clock, but you don't yeah. get more of it. So we've got to make the best use of what we've got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to your point, sometimes that means going and picking your kids up from school or going to mm. bed early and not doing extra work or sitting in front of the fire and watching the flames. Um, yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Richard. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the chat. It's always lovely to um, just talk to interesting people with different perspectives. Um, so I thank you very much. No problem at all. It's been fun. Enjoyed it. Thank you. 
Thank you. And thank you, everybody listening in. The opportunity to eavesdrop on a conversation. And for more conversations like this, please keep listening to the podcast. Or if you'd like to become a member of Learn With Sue, then you can jump on and have live sessions with some of our experts. You can get live sessions on different topics. We've got courses, research reviews, and much, much more. So go to learnwithsue.com.au if you want to find out more about our global learning community. If not, I will see you once again next week for another Learn With Sue. Thanks, everyone.